Hi, and welcome to the Imaginal Podcast. This is a place that protects and explores what we need to actualize our uniqueness. And like the caterpillar, who carries its butterfly blueprint in its imaginal cells all the way to the chrysalis and then melts into liquid before it transforms. We too have an inner knowing that can tell us how to make our wings. And here's your host, life coach and consultant, Lori Sauce, who goes most commonly by her nickname, Sauce. Hello, it's Sauce. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, Stephen Page is back. And last week, he was here to talk about why it is important to take personal responsibility for your health journey. It's a great episode. Please go back and grab that one if you missed it. And um, this week, there will be some continuing threads, but it's also going to branch into a different territory. Today, Stephen is back to talk about how a health challenge can bring about transformation. And Stephen knows the heart of this podcast. And so he shares the wonderful details of his own journey and brings it right home to the podcast and what we're all about. So I'm so grateful to have him back. Stephen is the founder of Delta Hollywood Productions. He is an analyst manager consultant, and he specializes in project management and business consulting, event planning and management. He has traveled and worked with so many different people. He has worked with Fortune 500 companies, and he knows so much about music. And you will find his passions for life and people and experiences just so contagious. He loves alpine skiing, yoga, swimming, sailing, golf, CrossFit, just to name a few things. He is beloved. Okay, here is my conversation with Stephen. And if you happen to be facing a health challenge right now or an ongoing one, we also just send deep camaraderie and compassion. Pain is no joke. And some of the treatments and surgeries and things like that that we all experience at times in our life really can be challenging. And so as Stephen expresses these transformational opportunities, we also just send so much care. Hey, everyone, I'm back as promised with Stephen Page. Good afternoon or evening or morning, everyone. Stephen, I'm so glad you're back. And if you're listening today and you didn't have a chance to catch the last episode, I think it would be a great one to go back and listen to because there will be some threads between last episode and this one. But today, Stephen is here to talk about how a health challenge can bring about transformation. So Stephen, I know you have a lot to say and a lot of experience in this area. So let me go ahead and send it over to you. All right. Like I said, hello, hello again today. So health challenges, right? One of the things that I think is poignant for our health is that we all have it, right? We all have to we have to take care of our bodies one way or form, one shape or form. Whether we sleep or we eat or we drink some water, whatever it is, or exercise, that kind of stuff. Recently I had a health challenge that took me out of my out of my normal sphere of operations, what I normally do with stuff. And I couldn't do things for a number of weeks, like eight weeks. And so how do I figure out how, how do I get through that? And one of the things that I was restricted on doing, I couldn't lift anything more than 10 pounds. So I was like, well, so much for 
doing all the exercises I like to do. I can't do any push-ups. I can't do this. I can't grab this kind of weight, nothing. I could just walk. And so walking is what I did. I walked everywhere. And I, had, I was, was fortunate enough that one of my friends was like, look, you know what? You, you don't need to be at home right now. You need to be up with us. Come on up. We have an extra place because one of our kids are at college. Come on up and you can walk around up here in this neighborhood. Well, the neighborhood was Santa Cruz. And unlike kind of the neighborhood I'm in, which is fairly flat, there are a lot of hills and valleys and stuff in Santa Cruz going, you know, where they live. And so I walked and I walked everywhere. Mm. With the first week I was there, I walked 26 miles. And when I called back Whoa. to the, the provider that was taking care of me that had, that had my procedure out and she was like, you did what? She was shocked. She's like, <laughs> did you have any? And she listed a bunch of symptoms. And I said, no, not one of those. Didn't have one of them. She was like, all right, then keep moving. So, and that's what I did. I kept moving. But it was me taking ownership of, hey, I can't do what I normally do. So let me do something else and just keep doing that and push myself in certain ways and not in others because I still was on the mend, didn't want to mess up that, um, followed some directions very succinctly for certain things. And others were like, eh, you know, I can have a little bit of this, but did it within reason within the area where I, could, I knew I could cheat a little bit, like putting my legs in the jacuzzi. But I could do that, but not, you know, couldn't immerse my whole body because I had, you know, some things that were still kind of open. So doing those things that you could do and understanding, hey, you know what, for this transformation, there's going to be some things I'm going to have to do differently for a little bit. But after that, you know, I should be able to go back to what I want to do, but do it gradually and understand that, hey, part of this is, yeah, you can do your stuff. And yeah, and even explaining to, to the doctors, the team of doctors that worked on me. Hey, I want to be able to do this in May. And the guy said, sure, you should be able to do that. I said, are you sure? I'm going to hold you to that. And he's like, no, we expect to see pictures when we see you, when your follow-up is a couple months after that. I'm like, okay. So now that I have a clear sight of where I want to go and what I want to do, now it's just me getting, getting on the road and getting there. But it was me deciding, hey, this is what I'm doing for myself. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to take care of myself better. Not that I wasn't taking care of myself better before. This was something I had no control over. I had no control over the thing that happened to me. Even doing, right. eating the right things, exercising on a regular basis, eating, drinking a lot of water or not drinking alcohol that much, getting a lot of good sleep, doing all those things right, and I still have this issue. But it was how I chose to deal with the issue and how I chose to get better and how I chose to you know, listen to some people and solicit some advice from those professionals to say, hey, I want to do this. This is where I want to go. What do I need to do to get there? And being able to say, you know what? I need to do something different now. I need to, transfer, I need to do that transformation and be able to get someplace where I want to be, but understanding, hey, you know what? I'm going to be the engine that makes this go. Me, myself, and I, the three of us. And the three of us together will figure out how to get there. And if I don't know, then I ask. And then, you know, ask one person or ask another or ask another, right? Because one of the things about this life that we really have to understand as the Imaginarial podcast is there's cells that are in you that prefer your transformation. Yes. And sometimes they don't get tapped right off the bat. Yes. Sometimes it takes waiter, way later in life for those cells that tap. We looked at things like, uh, you look at people like Samuel L. Jackson, right? Who has been like, he's, he's been in so many movies now that have made so much money. He's like one of the most, his highest grossing film people of all time for the movies he's been in because he's been in Marvel movies and you know, Star Wars and that kind of stuff. I love but him. He didn't get started till he was, 40, 45 years old, right? That's when his career started taking off, when he was in his 40s. Not when he was in his 20s when when he was a kid. Sometimes things take longer, take the time they're going to take. 
But understanding once you get that opportunity and you realize, okay, this is why I need to do that transformation, then you go and then you keep going, you keep moving. And you listen to those people who can help you along the way. And the people that can't help you, you know what? They can't help you. And, that, and that's okay too. Maybe they're only in your time, you're only in your life for a season. And some seasons last 40 years, some seasons last a summer. But you, you take advantage of what they can give you and what you can give them, and then you keep moving forward. But you've made that decision of yourself to say, I've had this challenge. How am I going to address it? How can I get the help around me that I need, whether that be support for this new thing that I have to do or you know, a different way of eating or a different way of looking at things? And those, sometimes those things give you a different way to look at stuff. There's a song from one of the artists I like. His name is Brian McKnight. He talks about this guy who is one of his friends that was in one of the desert communities and was part of the army, right? And ended up getting paralyzed. And the first year he was home, he didn't really do anything. But the next five years after that, because the switch went off and he said, you know what? I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to do something. He wins the marathon the next five years in a row from his wheelchair because he decided, nah, I'm not just going to sit here. I'm going to do something with what I have. Wow. And realize I still have stuff to do stuff with. Mm. So it's completely up to you about how you do. Once you get through that journey, once you get through that, whatever that trauma was, and it may not have been trauma, maybe it may have been a great thing. It may have been a birth of your cousin or your niece or your nephew or you know your child or something else that's not so pleasant where you find out your parents or your grandparents have Alzheimer's. Okay, so what does that mean? I have to do something different now. I have to look at the world a little differently so that I could actually help them or help, you know, my cousin with his child or whatever that is. And so now the world looks a little different to you than it did before, but you still figure out, hey, how can I best help either one of these people in this situation, you know, so that you get the best for what you need to do for your journey to keep going forward. Stephen, you inspire me, first of all. (laughs) You say all those walking miles up hills after going through a lot, that is very much the epitome of your spirit, your beautiful, brilliant spirit and your resiliency and your triumph. And I've seen it in good times and in hard times. I see you show up in that way. And also, I think it's built a deep well of compassion within you because you are the first to show up for someone when they're going through something hard too. And I want to say thank you for that on a side note. No problem. And as you're speaking about this, as these health challenges can catalyze transformation, I might also just ask you, do they also bring about memories or acts of love? Or I'm guessing I'm sort of leading the witness right now because I've seen this in your life. <laughs> so so here, here's the thing for me, right? I, you know, I lost a parent early in life. I lost a parent when I was 12. Um, and yes, went to visit to the hospital and it, 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 it made me do things in a different way. Um, because of the things that I saw my father do, I didn't, some of those things I didn't do. Like I did, my dad smoked, I didn't smoke. But he was also a Marine and did two tours of Vietnam and a tour of Korea. And they saw some things that I can't even imagine right. having to deal with, right? However, you know, there are other things in life that, that you get through, that you figure out how to navigate. And sometimes it's just showing up and being present. You know, mm-hmm. I had a, a, another friend of mine had lung cancer. And this is a guy who didn't even smoke, right? And yes. for me, it was like, okay, so what am I going to do? How am I going to help this guy? How, what can I do? And so he was like, well, I need a workout partner. I'm like, done. Let's go. Oh, what are really? we doing? Where are we going? Where are we running to, right? And so, you know, that, that journey that he got started on, because the doctor was like, you know, you need to keep working out. You need to keep doing this. You need your body needs to be healthy to deal with all this other stuff you're gonna, that we're going to throw at you. And so I'm like, okay, so how can I, that's going to be my part. I'm going to do this. I'm going to help you this way. 
and understanding what those things that you do and how you show up for other people. And, and it's the compassion of being a human to me because humans, we are social creatures, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, I could do it all by myself. I did it all by myself. Anybody tells you they did it all by myself, they're not telling the not truth. Not me. <laughs> they're not telling you the truth because yeah. they had teachers, they had mentors, they had someone who showed them, hey, this is what you do or this is how you do it. They had friends along the way that, like, you know, you're in college and at a certain point, you know, you are, you know, you're a college student, you're poor, right? And somebody says, hey, come over here, we're going to have dinner. Come, come eat with us. Because they know for that particular week, you don't have any money. True. So they, they, they take care of you for that week, right? And then somehow in the future, that gets paid forward because we're social creatures and we want to take, and most of us want to take care of each other. It's the nature of being human. And so that prayer for humanity, so that when you need the help, it's available for you. But it's also being present to say, hey, you know what? I need to first start with helping myself. I need to get that positive mindset. Because a good portion of healthcare is having that positive mindset. And if you have that mindset of like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm just done, right? Then chances are you will be done very quickly. Your body will like, oh, he doesn't have a will to live. That's it. We're done. And they'll give up. The rest of your body will give up. And, it, and people have seen that when that will is gone, the person's gone. Not too soon after that. But if you have that will to say, you know what, this is not going to beat me. I'm going to beat this. And then you get those people around you who are just as positive as you. Just want to support you and say, hey, you know what? We can let's help let us let us help you do this. And that gets you through that journey. And then it's okay, so how can I, now that I've transformed and gotten through this healthcare crisis or whatever it was, you know, changed your outlook? Because it has, it has changed your outlook. You don't look at things the same, right? Whether you were like, yeah, you know, I could, I'll get to that. It's like, well, no, I need to, I need to do that soon. And people have transformational things that happen to them. They're like, okay, I'm not going to wait to do this any longer. I, Never learned how to swim as a kid, I'm going to learn how to swim. Or I never learned how to ride a bike, I'm going to learn how to ride a bike. Or, you know, I've never been to Paris, I'm going, right? I want to, yes. you know, eat a croissant on the Eiffel Tower and have a chocolate souffle and listen to a jazz band at one of the Paris clubs because they've got a new lease on life. And because they've had that positive mental mindset that says, you know what? How I looked at things before was how I looked at them before. And now that this has happened, I have a different, I have a different mindset. There's that dividing line is before there's, there's, you have two lives. The life that you had before, and then there's a line that gets drawn in the sand, and everything after that is something is a, is a completely new life. And you learn, at least in my case, I've learned that. Look, once you've hit that dividing line, it's like, okay, so here are the things you used to do, and the ways you look used to look at things. I'm not looking at things that way any longer because that line in the sand. I'm like, no, I need to look at something different. I need to do something different. I need to act something different because I know what it was before, and what I'm doing now are completely different things. Because now I know, hey, I need, I need to go this direction. Where before I was like, you know, I want to kind of go this direction. I have this kind of goal. And now once you hit that line, it's like, no, that, I need to do that goal sooner. Because there's other, there's other things, other goals I want to accomplish now. It's so compelling, isn't it? Exactly. And, you know, is it going to Paris or is it going to Washington, D.C. or going to Australia, whatever, you know, travel. You know, that's a big thing that people do. Or they say, oh, I have my bucket list. I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go to that. I'm like, then what's stopping you? Go, right? Don't wait for some crisis to get you to spurn to go, go. But if you've had that crisis, you realize, look, life is short. And and people tell you that all the time. Life is short. No one ever gets to the end of their life and says, oh, you know, I wish I'd worked more. They think about, I wish I enjoyed things more. I wish I enjoyed my kids or my wife or my partner. I wish I enjoyed, you know, having a glass of wine with my friends. I wish I, you know, got to see a couple more sunsets. I wish I'd just been in the company of my grandkids more. 
whatever that is, or my parents, my grandparents, and hearing, hearing their stories from when they were young and teenagers. Grandpa, tell me about this. Dad, tell me about the time that grandpa ran into a tree. And everybody goes, <laughs> oh my God, we have to hear this story again? But you're hearing it for the first time and enjoying those moments with people that you love or the people that you're just getting ready to, to learn, to learn from. And being able to te- not only learn from them, but teach them about you. Beautiful. That's the journey. And the journal that you take with you, you know, that Rolodex that's in your head, or whether you are a scribe and you write things down, either way, that's with you for the rest of your life. And that you enjoy that time and that you can in- enjoy other people's, their aura and their stories. And as a creative person, you know, part of what makes great creative people is their collaborations. And how do you collaborate with somebody? You get to know them first. Then you can figure out, hey, what do we do well together, right? And that collaboration brings out something great. You know, I'm a music person, as my first podcast talked about. And one of the people who I love, this is one of the songs I love. It was on the soundtrack to Love Jones. It's called The Love Supreme. And it's John Coltrane and um, John Coltrane and, oh, I'm, I think it's Count Basie. And to hear the piano and the saxophone playing together in this song, it's just like, Ugh. no, it's not a love supreme. It's in a sentimental mood is the name of the song. And just hearing the sound and it's like, it just feels like you're in a jazz place in Paris and it's really dimly lit and people are talking and there's smoke kind of hazy in the room and you're like enjoying a glass, a nice glass of wine. And that's what the song feels like. But it's the collaboration between these two artists that you're that you're feeling. And you do that by, you get that collaboration by learning about each other. You teaching them about you and you learning about them. And as we get through this life and you learn more about each other, that's how it works. That's what makes it work is that you learn about each other. And going through whatever this journey is, you learn more about yourself, about things that you want to do and things that you don't want to do. My, uh, I, I, <laughs> I can't find my words. I feel like I'm the one in a, sen- in a sentimental mood right now. <laughs> That was absolutely gorgeous. Thank you, Stephen. Um, any last words as we wrap up here? I'm, I'm, look at my eyes. I'm all like, sorry, teary, sorry. So, you know, one of the things I know you like to do is like a good fresh pop at the end, which is something really yes. people like, you know, you know what's anecdotal, that antidote, antidote anecdotal thing, right? lightness and things that are fun. Anecdotal yes. lightness. So today... Or at least this this version of it, the antidote lightness is going to be this. So, as a part of me going through this journey and talking about stuff, one of the people I kind of connected with was the physician's assistant, right? Yeah. And so we've been talking back and forth, and I said, okay. So, in coming up was Valentine's Day. I said, so what are you buying for your husband? And she's like, what do you mean what am I? I'm like, it's Valentine's Day. What are you buying for your husband? And she was like, like okay, so I'm going to challenge you. And she's like, okay. I said, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to get him something. It's less than twenty five bucks. It reminds him of the time that you guys first got together. Oh. And she was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you in? She's like, okay, challenge accepted. And so I took it from a Cosby episode, right? Where he's, it's Dr. Heathcliff Cosby, his and his two son-in-laws, right? One who's married to Denise, which was Martin. And then one is married to his oldest daughter, Sandra, which was Elvin. And they said, well, you said, oh, you have all this money. He's like, no, no, no. Thing, and everything was like five bucks. You, have, you can only spend five bucks. And so they both go through their thing and go through this thing and, and they have dinner and they end up showing up and they're like, okay, so here's each one of them percent, right? And so Martin's was really good. You know, he'd saved something from when they got married in Africa. 
And Elvis was really good for something like a Priest of Pearl that he could get, you know, every year. And so then Cliff goes on to describe this this bracelet for this woman he was going out that wasn't Claire. He goes through the whole story. Claire's like, that was that was that wasn't my bracelet. That was the other bracelet. And so then she opens the bracelet and it was the bracelet she wanted. It was her oh. bracelet. And then so he wins. So I was like, that was the expiration for that. And so she was like, Okay, I got you, I'm in. And so then I asked her, you know, in email later, hey, how did it go? How did it work? She was like, Oh my God, it was one of the best Valentine's Days I ever had. So oh, I was like, Oh, really? So I'm like, cool. That worked. So because she and I just clicked as people, and so I was like, "Damn, yeah, I'm going I'm to challenge you." And so it was, it was really cool to see something that I was like, "You know, let me try this. Let me see if this works for you." So she was like, "Oh, this was really cool." That's my antidote for today. A little, little Valentine's Day. You know, we're in the next month, but you know, something that's real, that's genuine, not like, "Oh, I'm going to go you flowers and candies." Like, well, no, let's think about how we first got together and doing something very simple and very memorable. I love that, and you know, it doesn't take. Oh gosh, sometimes we just it's, get so busy. It doesn't go ahead. It takes imagination. There you go. It what takes a perfect imagination. podcast to say that on. <laughs> I thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. I just I think the world of you, I know you know. Where can people find you? People can find me at Delta Hollywood on my Instagram page. Please say SAS pod in the message and I can accept you because my pri- my thing is private. I don't let everybody see what I'm doing. But you will get to some, some, see some things on there. Going back to seeing some workouts here in the next few weeks, but you will see some what, what's being played at the Page Living Room Lounge with Sass so that she can come and visit the Page Living Room Lounge and enjoy some of the music I have to uh, offer to folks. We definitely have to do that, Stephen. Okay, you can find me on Instagram too at Lori Sasse, L-O-R-I-S-A-S-E. Or my website, lorisase.com. If you want to sign up for my newsletter, I would love it. And you can also find out about coaching there. And Stephen, thank you. These episodes have been so beautiful. I appreciate you coming on the podcast again so much. No problem. Thank you for having me again. And hey, good luck out there, folks. And keep it moving forward. Listen to that music. Enjoy yourselves. Yes. Have a beautiful week. 